a near-death experience, profound conversion, and chili cheese conies? Eric Huff is our guest on Spirit Inspire, starting right now. Broadcasting from the Cathedral of the Assumption in Louisville, Kentucky, this is Spirit Inspire. And now, here is your host. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Spirit Inspire. I'm Brian Kane, joined today by my co-hosts, Isaac Fox and Eric Huff. Now, if you've been tuning into Spirit Inspire for a long time, where we've been running for two or three episodes now, uh, then you would know that sometimes we have a guest, but sometimes we interview ourselves. And that's what we're doing today. <laughs> we're going to introduce you to one of our co-hosts, Eric Huff. Eric, thanks for being here. Thanks, Brian, um, for that sad and desperate sounding interview. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, it, it does make it sound like we weren't able to book any. Yeah, yeah. There were, and, uh, we're, and we're also one spirit inspired guy short, too. That's, that's so right. not only can we not get a guest, we couldn't get everyone present here that that's part of this anyway. This is part of uh, making a weekly podcast. That's right. That's right. That's right. The reality is that we canceled several guests just to have you on the <laughs> that's show. That's right. Right. And and another member of the team. Yeah, we also canceled John <laughs> in in multiple ways. Right, None so. of this is true, folks. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna interview you today, Eric. Uh, you've got an interesting story. Um, why don't you contextualize it first, though? So you're you're a convert. You're going to tell us a little bit about your conversion, but give us give us a little tiny taste of growing up in Cincinnati, Ohio, before so, you do. Yeah. So I grew up um, all over Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, so east side, west side. Um, early on, I, I grew up in Hamilton, um, which is north of Cincinnati. Uh, in a small suburb of Hamilton called Lindenwald that's uh, a, about South Hamilton and, and West Fairfield, a uh, small little town there. And then uh, from there, I kind of moved all over the place. And then I have family all over Cincinnati. So what's uh, so I've heard many stories of Eric Huff's childhood. One, one thing that stands out to me is that you were a very precocious child with very early memories, probably earlier than a lot of people that I know. Um, there's there's a few moments that I think are funny, but are there any uh, are there any stories from very early childhood that uh, that make you laugh or that you think are are worth uh, worth sharing on this podcast? Yeah. So um, when when I was really small, um, I was always my mom would always tell me like stuff that seemed obvious to me already, but I was a small child, so it, it's normal for a mom to tell a three-year-old not to dart out into traffic or something like that. So uh, I was always giving her like a hard time on that, which I really shouldn't have been. But uh, one example would be the darting out into traffic. Every time she would stop the car, she would say, don't dart out into traffic. And uh, it annoyed me. So, you know, one day I had my grandma and my aunt and everybody's in the car and uh, I started yelling. You're three at this point. Three, yeah. I started yelling, let me out, let me out so I can dart out into traffic. <laughs> uh, to everyone's horror because they had no idea what I was talking about. So uh, that kind of sums up most of my human interactions from that point on. I feel like for a three-year-old to, one, remember that, two, like make a rational decision to like prank his 
mom because he's annoyed. I mean, I, I have a I have a three-year-old who's actually turning four today, the day of this recording. Happy birthday to my son, Augustine. Uh, he, I'm not sure, again. maybe he does think like that. And maybe I just annoy him all the time when I, when I tell him not to do things. But I, I struggle to imagine that level of thought uh, happening in, in his brain. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think too though, like there's a balance to it because uh, there's just like perfectly normal things and there's even a meme about this where it just, <laughs> I just don't get it. So like every other human being in the world has been socialized on, I can't give a specific example right now on things and I just go, what? <laughs> like I've never heard of that. And uh, so, so it goes both ways. All right. All of these are marks of genius, right? The the early precociousness, <laughs> the awareness, the intelligence, and then the inability to comprehend normal everyday things. I think that's all signs of genius. I think uh, I think that if those are signs of genius, we're in really big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. Uh, so, you you grew up a precocious youngster. You. Uh, I'm remembering a story of, uh, is there a horror movie or something that you watched? What What is that story? Uh, <laughs> is that something you want to share? I don't, I can't uh, publicly. think of... Does it have to do with Chucky? Uh, do you have a story about Chucky? He may still be too traumatized. Yeah, exactly. yeah I know. You might even might have made me go into a place that I'm blind <laughs> Okay, well, fair enough. I feel like you've told me a story about seeing a horror movie way too early. I definitely, I definitely saw Chucky way too early when I was like two or something. Yeah, clearly remember him like the one and only time I ever saw it, and he's like tying up a kid and burying him alive in the backyard or something. Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. Uh, I don't, I don't remember exactly, uh, exactly what that story was, but it made an impression on me. Uh, <laughs> so you, uh, you grow up a precocious child. Tell us, you know, give us some context for for middle school. Uh, for middle school. So early on, uh, we'll go back a little earlier than that. Before middle school, I was raised Southern Baptist and uh, I had a pretty strong faith life um, as a child. I remember like praying by my bed and like my lights being off and my mom stepping on me when she came to check on me because she didn't anticipate me being beside the bed there and uh, like being on the playground and I would pray and stuff. And uh, the teachers was like, is everything okay over here? And I'd be like, I'm just praying. And they're like, what a weird kid. <laughs> um, they would either be like, wow, what a really good kid, which was not the case, or wow, what a, what a weird kid. But um, about the time when I hit middle school, definitely started to drift off and become interested in, uh, in things that, that people in middle school and high school become interested in that, that aren't faith or God, and, uh, and, and became absorbed in that and moved away from from my faith altogether. Um, it's really big through high school into uh, a lot of Eastern religions, uh, Eastern mythology, um, transcendental meditation type of things. Uh, how'd you come across that or how'd you get into that? Uh, just reading, still still just reading a lot. Um, probably like a quest for truth. Are you finding like online? Or uh, at the library, books, or both internet. And, okay. Yeah, yeah. This was still. Uh, this yeah. was when people still used libraries. Yeah, people still use the libraries. I think like um, the amount of stuff I would print out 
in the labs at, at school was amazing. Like, <laughs> okay. Probably printed hundreds of dollars, if not thousands worth of <laughs> material that I could just read through throughout uh, the day um, in class instead of following lessons, lesson plans and what I was supposed to be paying attention to. Um, yeah, so got it really into that. Um, got really into, you know, politics and philosophies, um, all of them very modern, um, you know, stemming off. I think my, my entry point would have been like anarchism and, uh, and kind of like the philosophical intellectual side of that um, later in high school. Um, like I said, mixed with um, maybe different faith traditions and Eastern stuff, which all became very, which was very you know, motivated by truth and uh, an interest in learning. And then that all kind of fell by the wayside when I hit college. Um, and once there, I just really bought into everything I was being taught in school and kind of put away any of my own, uh, my own seeking and my personal, um, yeah. So when, so to go back for a second, so, you know, did you have a friend group that was somewhat anarchist that was uh, like that, you know, was into some of these spiritualities? Is this solely, um, you know, driven by your own desire for truth or like what's what's what is, what did your friend group look like at that so, time? So like it's hard to say. So I would say like, um, yeah, I had a friend group that was like more into that stuff, but I, I would say probably they were more into like smoking pot and listening to me tell them all this crazy okay. <laughs> stuff rather than uh, they were really into it themselves, but uh, definitely showed interest in me and uh, what I had to do there. I got along with a lot of people in high mm -hmm. school, so I was kind of like that weird geek, but not fitting in in one way isn't really the case. I, I kind of meshed well with everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't really think that I had any real enemies in high school. Went to a large high school uh, was friends with pretty much everybody. So there wasn't anybody who really met that mold, um, but I was able to still be friends with a lot of people. Um, so would you say that there was some element of like, that you were doing some of this research just to share it? Like you, you talked about how people would like to hear you talk about these things. I don't Do you, know, I think it was- it solely motivated by your own thirst for it, it was only my own personal interest. Okay. Yeah, my own boring interests. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know that they're boring. I was kind of curious with the Eastern religions, Eastern mythologies, political, philosophical stuff you mentioned, and the, like the anarchism, was there anything that kind of tied all that together? Or were these just things that randomly you had found very interesting? You know, like maybe a spirituality from here and then a political thought from here, or was there anything sort of a sort of cohesive worldview that was informing that? I don't think so. So um, if I if I had to guess kind of what it was too, is around that time um, I was prescribed on because of my ADHD or whatever, I was prescribed on some serious, you know, medication, which sure. I don't think that I need now. Uh, I definitely don't need now, but I don't think I needed then and it would become like hyper-focused. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And uh, so it would be like taking speed or something, I guess, and uh, and just hyper-focusing on this materials. And uh, instead of, I think that the object of putting me on the medication was that I would pay attention in school, but I was coming up with what I wanted to pay attention right. to rather than um, what they were gonna make me pay attention to. So yeah, I got a little bit off track. Um, I was still learning a lot, but definitely not what the public school curriculum wanted to teach me. Right. OK. 
Okay. So now, now let's let's uh, head into college. Then, uh, after this break, we'll be right back with more from Eric Huff. Hey everyone, this week's episode is sponsored by Family Renewal Project. FRP is a local theology of the body apostolate in service to the Archdiocese of Louisville. They're dedicated to renewing the culture through the renewal of the family. They have so many amazing things going on, so check them out at FamilyRenewalProject.com. Alright, welcome back to Spirit Inspire. I'm here again with Isaac Fox and Eric Huff. We're hearing about the uh, the adventures, the thoughts, the the testimony, if you will, of Eric Huff. Uh, Eric, when you hear the word testimony, what do you think of? Um, probably more of uh, camp when I was a kid, and uh, it was very Southern Baptist. We would go up to uh, Seneca Lake near Senecaville, Ohio, and uh, mm-hmm. and hear these adults give these wild these very wild testimonies like, and then I prayed to God that I would, God, if let me catch this big old fish. <laughs> and as I was praying, you wouldn't believe it, this giant fish just hopped out of the water and I caught him. So uh, that's what my mind kind of harkens back to a little bit. Do but, you have any uh, big fish testimonies uh, for uh, us? Of my own? Yeah. Um, I, you know what? I'm not a great. I'm not a great fisherman. <laughs> okay. I mean, I've well, never, you're not praying enough. I'm, when not, you're I'm not. I've not been out there enough to pray for a giant. I just want a little one. <laughs> right. I just want to catch something. My yeah. family has the worst luck when it comes. To, <laughs> I just to want to get a catching, bite. Yeah, hunting, any of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, fair enough. So we're so we're now we're in college, and, and we're talking about your your faith journey. So you said that, uh, you know, you kind of just started paying attention to what you were being taught in college. This is this is a shift, it seems, from high school where you were paying attention to whatever you wanted to pay attention to. It sounds like something in college had, like, captured your attention. Maybe the teachers were finally on your level or something like that. And then, um, and so you're starting to pay attention in college. So what are, you know, where are you spiritually and, and philosophically at that point? Yeah, I think uh, once I got to college, um, the teachers were much more convincing, um, and it might not have been, you know, any anything that they did differently than my high school teachers. It might have just been my maturity level mm-hmm. um, that I was willing to pay attention to, to something outside of myself. Um, I think like my primary goal though when I was in college was uh, was like to party it up with my friends. So I think like school was kind of a secondary thing. So when I was in that class, you know, I'm I'm doing everything I can to get as much done as I can and learn as much as I can in that class. So when I go home for the day, that you know, I can have some fun. I can do some stuff with my with my buddies, um, which created its own kind of problems and struggles. But uh, yeah, I think that's what it was. So do you just become kind of moral relativist, uh, hedonist, sort of your classic? Uh, millennial at this point or are you is there still an element of spirituality are you still into the eastern religions where where are you in, in regards to all that so I think anything spiritual um, or anything with the pursuit of the true the beautiful and the good are kind of um, out the window it's definitely materialist but it's not hedonism or uh, over over consumption of things uh, I think it's more into, uh, I get really into like, uh, you know, things things that are morally right and just in their own way, uh, if if looked at rightly ordered with mm-hmm. other things. 
Um, so social justice, um, I think, is a big one. Uh, always had a heart for the poor. Mm-hmm. And uh, so even even though I am like, you know, going out and drinking with my friends and, and drinking way too much, um, definitely uh, still have a, a, a big heart for the poor, uh, especially that in Cincinnati. Um, what did that look like in college? Like, how are you how are you living that out? Uh, I would say just just encountering people on the street. Okay. So uh, where the bars are in Cincinnati uh, was and is also where uh, the homeless people are, where the history of the homeless are in Cincinnati, uh, and and those social justice movements. There's a guy, uh, I think his name was Buddy Gray. It was all lowercase, and basically, uh, and over the Rhine, it's it's a set of bars and uh, venues and restaurants and stuff now. But when I started college, um, I think pretty much he had this this I don't know if it was a company or what. But he owned all of that, and there were um, homeless people who lived um, down there and over the Rhine. So uh, I kind of was there as it shifted from that into uh, something more gentrified with food and restaurants and, and kind of partook a little bit of both. So uh, any other things in college that are notable in regards to your faith journey? Not in college per okay. se. So, so take us take us to the next big moment then. So I think as I well I guess it was still in college. So as I was wrapping up uh, in college, uh, I started dating my wife now, um, mm-hmm. Gabrielle, and uh, she went to Xavier University. I went to the University of Cincinnati. To it's a pretty big rivalry there, and so uh, my a lot of my identity came from being from Cincinnati going to the University of Cincinnati. Um, so really proud and, and a lot of our relationship revolved around that, that rivalry between Xavier and UC. So we would go to, uh, to the games and stuff together. Um, so I'd say one of, the, one of the big moments there is I went to mass for the first time mm. uh, with Gabrielle at Xavier at Bellarmine Chapel on campus. And uh, it was Ash Wednesday. This was also, so this was 2015, it was Ash Wednesday, and it was the Crosstown shootout. And then in either the year before or the year before that, there was that big drama with the Crosstown punch out where UC and Xavier got into a big fight. Okay. Um, and the players, like, you know, it was terribly embarrassing. And then both schools um, chose to embrace the the fighting so that made i think they had to cancel it for a year or two oh, wow. um and yeah you would go on xavier's campus and they would be yelling like zip them up and stuff um like they're gonna Yikes. like they, like like these are rich preppy kids were gonna murder somebody i don't know what, what they were trying to xavier say Xavier being a catholic school is yeah, that right jesuit yeah, 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 yeah jesuit yeah. um well, that explains great, everything great christian uh... <laughs> yeah really really christian attitude there uh-huh. and uh so and that's no fault to the administration, sure. obviously. But uh, anyways, they uh, they had to pause it for a while. So this was the first one, I think, when it was back. I could be off a little bit. And uh, yeah, so we went to Mass first for Ash Wednesday. It was the first time I'd been to Mass. Um, and the president of Xavier, Father Michael Graham, he's kind of sitting with everyone. And at the sign of peace, he was shaking everyone's hands. And I had a bunch of UC stuff on under under my jacket or whatever I was wearing there because we were about to go watch the game somewhere after. And when he shook my hand, he said, uh, you don't go to school here. 
It's what he said to me. And uh, and then he just turned around to the next person. He couldn't see anything that you were wearing that would, not, get, that would give you away. Nothing you see was like <laughs> visible. And yeah, so I was not only, I wasn't Catholic and I was a UC guy at Xavier during Crosstown Shootout um, on Ash Wednesday. So I was at mass. So I was like, ooh, you know, I was like, I was busted. He's on to me. Yeah, I was so busted. And, uh, and so, yeah, we went, we watched the game. I got, I got my ashes. It was pretty cool. Um, rite of passage. And then we went and we watched the game at, uh, at a bar or something. And then that night I had to drop Gabrielle off and uh, Xavier won, of course. And uh, when I get in the elevator to go visit with her up in her dorm afterwards, uh, I get in the elevator and I'm, Pretty sure it was like all the freshmen of the Xavier basketball team, and I ha and I I'm like zipping my coat up all the way to make sure the UC stuff isn't showing. So yeah, that was uh, that was a big moment there with uh, with Xavier and UC. What What do you think that, that moment? I mean, was was there a spiritual element there? Like, was there some sort of you know moment you remember about mass or? about Ash Wednesday. I mean, that was probably the first time you had ashes on your forehead, right? Yeah, it definitely, um, uh, it definitely sparked some curiosity. Okay. Um, yeah, it definitely opened me up a little bit to it. Uh, there is, there's a sense of mystery to it, obviously, to the Mass itself, um, to the way the Catholics act in the holy water, the fact that students are going to church um, before a athletic event. Mm. Uh, the fact that the president of the school recognized that I didn't go to school there and called me out on it. So there is a, there's a lot of little mysterious things. Uh, I don't know how much of a spiritual experience, though. Okay, so then you were going to talk about, you know, something after college, and that, that was some backstory for it, I think. So now now lead us in as, you, as you're leaving college. Um, I think that now we're starting to get into the meat of, yeah. uh, of the story. Yeah, so... Um, or the heart of the story, maybe. I think I have to back it up again, too. Okay. that's um, all right. <laughs> so before all of that, uh, my dad in 2014, uh, he had a major stroke. Uh, and he was in the hospital. Uh, you know, the first day he, he was had no movement, uh, couldn't speak. Uh, it was a, definitely a grave situation. And, uh, and so when I was there, uh, and my dad was everything, typical millennial fashion, there's probably, I probably couldn't tie my own shoelaces without my dad's help, even though I was 18, 19 uh, at the time, maybe even 20, I don't remember. And uh, so it was devastating to me, obviously, because it was my dad. But, but there's also a selfish portion of me where, um, you know, did I have the ability to do things on my own now? And uh, so when he was in that hospital bed, uh, I became very like angry. Uh, and so, like I said, I was very secular at that point in my life. Um, no faith at all, um, no spirituality at all. So I went into uh, def I went into the, the the little end room where where people go to wait on their loved ones, and uh, I started to become very upset. I started to throw chairs around and, and basically throw an adult temper tantrum. Um, and I remember saying, you know, if there is a God, you know, show yourself to me or something like that, even though I don't believe in God. And when I turned around, there was a crucifix, a wooden crucifix on the wall. And I remember just shutting up and leaving the room <laughs> immediately and uh, ending the temper tantrum right there. And then, uh, 
when I, it was either then or the next day when I went back to the hospital, uh, my dad had improved greatly mm. uh, and was able to, to speak. And uh, you could see, you know, the roots of his personality coming back mm. out and, and showing great improvement and, uh, and, and able to start physical um, and occupational therapy at that point too. So, so that moment in the hospital, which is like 2014 or 15, you said, uh, you would think that's probably what like kind of opened the door to Christianity again, potentially the, the Christianity you'd left your, your childhood faith. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I honestly too, because like I said, like, uh, in high school, my vision of God, um, was certainly not a Christian one. Mm -hmm. So when I, when I abandoned any kind of spiritual belief, those beliefs that I had set in my head were not Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, so when I turned around and I saw uh, a crucifix on the wall, uh, like just like the most, I don't know, um, Christian symbol uh, there is, I, uh, I was shocked by it too. Mm -hmm. I didn't, that was not the, that was not the God I anticipated to see, I guess, even though it was a Catholic hospital, you know? <laughs> so it wasn't like this was, uh, you know, it was mercy, so mercy yeah. Fairfield. But uh, yeah, so that, okay, that so would that's, be expected. That's 14, 15, then the, the Xavier's Cincinnati game was when? 15. Ash Wednesday Mass, okay. Yeah. And then, okay, so, so then you, you graduate? In between there, yeah, okay. at that point. Um, and because, because of my, my dad's stroke, um, I had to take a lot of time off school, so I, I got really behind. Um, but I was able to roll my credits over and get an associate's degree um, in 15 and graduate then. Um, so I graduate from University of Cincinnati 15 with an associate's degree. And yeah, so then still dating Gabrielle, uh, I start working and then uh, full time. And then fall of that year in September, September 11th, um, is a UC Xavier soccer game. And I think I'm remembering all the dates, right? And, uh, and so there's a UC Xavier soccer game at UC. So I'm picking Gabrielle up from, from Xavier. Um, and as I'm picking her up, it's pouring down raining and there's a bad storm. And with you right there in the rain, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back in just a minute with more from Eric Huff. Be right back. Hello everyone, this episode is sponsored by Holy Angels Academy. Holy Angels is an independent school shining the light on the Catholic and classical tradition. With a focus on virtue and holiness, their mission is clear and simple, to help their students attain the end for which they were created, eternal happiness with God. Check them out at HolyAngelsLouisville.com. All right, welcome back to Spirit Inspire. I'm your host, Brian Kane, and we're interviewing today our good friend, Eric Huff. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for sharing so far. Yeah, of course. All right, when we left you, it was a, it was a dark and stormy day. It was day. a day, yeah. Yeah, a dark and stormy day. And uh, you were going to a soccer game. You were driving to pick up Gabrielle, is that correct? think so all right that's where we're at so uh yeah as i got off the exit um there's a split between reading road and victory parkway in cincinnati going towards xavier uh xavier being on victory parkway and there's uh 
kind of an island in the middle of that split and uh, right at that V and there's a young lady uh, with only one leg and she was just standing out in the pouring rain with a sign. Um, and I thought, you know, I don't have any money to give her right now. I was just broke, just got out of college, but I do have a Xavier umbrella that I can get rid of that I, then I don't have to use it when I go to the UC Xavier game. Maybe, and so uh, I said, I'll just give her this umbrella, which I didn't want anyway. And, uh, and so I go down Victory Parkway and I turn, there's a, there's a, there's a street there. I forget what it's called. I want to say it's like Aslan, but I don't think it's Aslan. <laughs> Um, but something like Oslon and, uh, I turned on that street and as, as, as I was coming back down Redding road, um, a, a large pickup truck, um, slammed into the side of my car and, uh, he hit me so hard. I remember I could visually see like his car, his paint in my car right here, um, in my peripheral and it, it shattered the glass. Um, the tires were kind of knocked up over the curb. And I kind of went down the hill. Uh, I hit two or three telephone poles and, uh, and and kept building momentum on the slick grass until uh, until I slammed into a stump um, near the bottom of the hill. And uh, there's smoke kind of coming, filling into the car. I could feel heat and actual fire. And uh, and I look out my window. And there's just people recording me on their cell phones as they went by, just like. Um, this is extreme indifference. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was really painful. Uh, I think maybe that more than anything physical. Mm. And uh, so I, I climbed out of um, out of the window of the, uh, of the car. Uh, obviously the glass was shattered and uh, my hand was bleeding really bad. Uh, I had a lot of glass in my hands. And, uh, and then my feet were, were soaked I had Toms on, uh, like the slipper ones, and they were just soaked in blood. Uh, I still have that pair of Toms in my basement, but uh, just just completely drenched. And then, uh, you know, I had uh, the airbag had deployed in a way that kind of smashed the glass into my forehead. So um, it wasn't a, like any any bad lacerations or anything, but at the time I didn't know why why my, my face was bleeding a lot. And, and once you get even a little nick on your head, that's like a lot of yeah, blood. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I climbed out and uh, I was pretty shook up and there's, there's smoke coming out of the car. Uh, I remember when I climbed out, I kind of fell out and uh, the blood from my hand was just kind of getting washed down into the, the gutter. And uh, yeah, just a really, really dark moment. There was, uh, I always forget this detail for some reason, but there was like this uh, one homeless gentleman who came up out of the woods and he took, uh, he probably only had this towel to his name and he took the towel and he like wrapped it around me and he wrapped wow. my hand up with it until the fire department got there. All people who could have helped were just There was a lot of people, yeah, yeah, yeah. And- um, But the poor who you had served, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how well I had served them or they served me, but- Not Maybe well enough. Yeah, he was, uh, he was really sweet. So, uh, like I said, that's, that's probably the only thing he had was that towel. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, so I remember I was just like, when the police got there and the fire truck or whatever, uh, I just was like, I just want to give that lady my umbrella. And I kept saying that over and over. And, uh, 
I went into the emergency room and, and they never got all the glass out of my hand. There's still some in my hand right now. And, um, and yeah, it's just terrible experience. Like I said, even up, even after, after I went to the emergency room, there's just like, just met with total indifference. Mm. Uh, maybe except for that one, that one homeless person. So, but I never forgot, um, about that lady. And, uh, so moving forward, I promise the story has uh, has lighter notes later. <laughs> but moving forward, well, before you go there, so I mean, maybe tell us a little bit about, um, I mean, what what's the spirit? Is there a spiritual impact? Um, you know, is is this does this at all relate? This this it's a dark moment, obviously, and you're you're experiencing the indifference of man, and sort of sin. Yeah. Um, is there a, does it make you wonder if God exists? Does it just confirm that he doesn't? Is there any? I'd say, I'd say closer to that. Mm -hmm. Like a confirmation, like that, that God doesn't exist. Like uh, um, almost to the point, like overriding any of the experiences I had prior. So, uh, and then in that point in my life, I, I fell into, you know, from there, I started to despair more and more mm -hmm. in life. Uh, depression and anxiety and uh, yeah and not not just because of the car accident but personal choices and uh, and you know other trials and tribulations of life um, contributing to that so um, yeah it was a it was a pretty dark time um, yeah there's also around that time too I think in in maybe in the following year uh, I did have a really good friend who was a Christian uh, and a good influence to me. And he was a local comic book artist in Cincinnati. And uh, and he, he, he was an illustrator for, for DC and Marvel. Uh, pretty well-respected guy uh, that I had met. And, and he had kind of given me, he'd probably given me the only glimpse of a credible Christian. Mm. Um, I guess at that point in my life and uh, and he ended up passing away in a car accident between wow. 2015 and the end of 2016 maybe late 2016 I would say that it was so um, and when's the car accident my car accident was September yeah, 11th I want to say 15 okay so, so whenever whenever that you see Xavier soccer game yeah so throughout that year um, you know, there were several things that were drawing me away from God. And then including, you know, that time with the 2016 presidential election, um, people were very divisive. Uh, it was, it would be hard, you'd be hard pressed to see God in, in other people mm. um, at that time, or at least where I was. Mm. Uh, and it might've been a lack of perspective on my part. So yeah, just, uh, just a lot of anxiety, a lot of despair. Uh, living you know still living alone um i know that you know loneliness can be a root cause and then overworking myself too so i was working 24 hour shifts sometimes sometimes more like me and my buddies we would we would have competitions to see who could work the most <laughs> and uh the most hours uh consecutively and uh, i think everybody lost <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so going through there, I, I really put myself into, to my work, into, um, you know, the cool activities maybe I could do at the end of a work week or 
the vacation I can have maybe once a year. That's what I really live for. Um, All right, so let's let's leave you there in the darkness. We'll take a break, and we'll be back for one more segment. Hopefully, there's some some uh, some light. Some light at the light end of in this summer. final in this final segment. We'll be right back with more Eric Hoff. Hey everyone, here at Spirit Inspire, we want to serve our community by highlighting God's work in our parishes, schools, and apostolates. We hope to bring renewal and unity between all those in the body of Christ. If you would like a shout out in the next episode of Spirit Inspire, go to spiritinspire.com or email us at spiritinspire at gmail.com. Thanks and God bless. And we're back to Spirit Inspire. We're joined by Eric Huff. We left him in the darkness, the despair, the doubt, the loneliness, the overworking, the living for the weekend, the... That would be a great name of a song. <laughs> I think working. Is it working for the weekend? Yeah. Yeah. That would be a good name for it. We could redo yeah. all this since I just uh, sidetracked everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're keeping it now. It's too late. So, let's hear your, your you know, this is a very dark moment, obviously. Physically, spiritually, very powerful. Yeah. Do things get better? Let's hope so. Generally speaking, not in your life, but generally. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) You're sitting in between us, so things are going to be pretty bad right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I ended up here. (laughs) That's right. Oof, sorry. (laughs) uh, Car wreck was nothing now. Yeah. So um, moving from there, I, uh, yeah, I... I sustained, you know, another injury into my hand. Um, I lost a little bit of mobility in my thumb at that time. I have it fully back now. Um, but, uh, you know, just continuous. I uh, couldn't catch a break. And, and I think in hindsight, uh, just a serious lack of grace. And maybe that has to, had to do with my own sinfulness, too, and my ability to uh, respond to God and to his calling and to his grace and mercy. But... Um, so at this point in my life, uh, like I said, everything was already pretty pretty harsh and grim. Uh, the next uh, the next fall, I think, into 2016, uh, I'm dealing with some personal health issues. Um, I'm dealing my my girlfriend at the time, now my wife. Uh, she goes away to Rome um, for for quite a substantial amount of time. I think uh, for school, so uh, she's there studying. Um, at least a few weeks, if not a month, uh, I'm trying to remember. And then uh, during that time, my, my grandfather, my papaw, is really close to, uh, gets terminal cancer uh, and passes away. And uh, before he died, uh, I only had one day off a week from work. And I would go that one day off a week from work and I'd spend it with him. And uh, since we were in Cincinnati, he was in Northern Kentucky, but since we were in Cincinnati, um, he loved Gold Star Chili, mm-hmm. so I would go get him Gold Star Chili Cheese Coney's. Is that a Cincinnati thing? Because I've never, I've never heard of Gold Star. Yeah, Gold Star. It's like a rival to Skyline. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, like Skyline. The less successful. <laughs> <laughs> the less success- Cincinnati Chili Cheese. That's, 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 that's a controversial <laughs> statement in Cincinnati. It's one step below Skyline. Uh, well, I did. I, I intentionally didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of franchising, it's it's similar to McDonald's that. versus Burger King. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, and where do you stand on that important issue? I uh, definitely uh, Camp Washington chili. 
Oh, I meant McDonald's versus oh, Burger King. Oh, uh, McDonald's versus Burger King. Yeah. You know, Burger. I never see Burger King anymore. I'm a Burger King guy, but I'm yeah. just, I'm Burger just King is very affordable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like, like the, the only ones that haven't raised their prices is like a real burger. Astronomically. <laughs> their burger's like a real burger. Like, it's got some meat yeah. to it. It's substantial. Yeah. I, I'm a Burger King. Do you remember fan. they had like, I think they were like breakfast hash browns with cheese in them. I don't remember. At one time at Burger King. That sounds sinfully delicious. Yeah. The, the breakfast there, the Chris sandwich. That's not as good as the McGriddle is the ultimate do, breakfast. I can't fast do fast food, food breakfast. There's something about not even McGriddle. No, the McDonald's oh. bagel. I'm glad that's bad. <laughs> my my younger sister. She, fair, I don't know if I've ever had a McGriddle. She petitioned. Uh, she petitioned McDonald's. She said, uh, I think once every two months since they got rid of the McDonald's bagel until they brought it back. So. So Shannon, I'm really proud of you. <laughs> that's right. That's uh, that's good stick to itiveness. Yeah. This episode brought to you by Burger King. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if if we could not bring up fast food every because well, our first uh, episode yeah. of Archbishop was Taco, Taco Bell, yeah, exactly. uh, which was also me. Maybe I have food in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. For, we gotta stop doing for, this. For, for someone who has a uh, you know kind of a bougier restaurant, yeah. you you do you do seem rather fond of fast food. <laughs> Well, it's interesting because when we interviewed the Archbishop and today, I have not eaten on either one of those days. So maybe there's a subconscious <laughs> uh, hunger going on there. We're going to have to have the Spirit-inspired snack cabinet. Yes, I can yes. go for a taco right now. Anyway, Eric, I think I derailed the conversation. Okay, so you're, well, fishing. where we were was Gold Star Chili. You're, you're, you would bring your uh, papa? Yeah. Gold Star Chili. Yeah, so I would take him two chili cheese conies and he, we would... He would eat those two chili cheese conies and we would just hang out. Um, and uh, I remember I knew, you know, his time was short and it, it was really the end. Is um, He deteriorated a lot, but uh, I brought those two chili cheese conies and uh, they laid on his counter and they just got stale and there was kind of flies buzzing around him where he didn't eat. And this they, was one day that you went to visit him. Yeah. Do you, was, do you remember rough time frame? Between, uh, I think he passed away sometime in October. Of 2016 still? 16, okay. yeah. So you'd been doing this every week for, what, a number of weeks, I guess? Take him the two Gold Star yeah, chili for, cheese Yeah, for candies. a while, probably through through the summer and yeah. into the fall. Wow. Um, okay. All right, so then there's this one day where he doesn't eat them. Yeah, and he doesn't eat the, the chili cheese conies. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, it's just, it just really impacted me. Like, I can still see the, the conies. Uh, I can't even remember. I don't think what he looked like at that moment, but uh, but I remember like driving home and just kind of like weeping from it, and uh, not too much longer. Um, in in retrospect, I'm thinking it might have been uh, towards the later side, like maybe fall entering into winter, mm -hmm. so maybe a month or more after this. Um, I've had to reflect on it a lot lately. I'm like, when when did this happen? So um, I was driving. Well, during that time. With the health issue, uh, I think I was still dealing with some trauma, maybe from the car accident, and then with with my papal passing away, um, I just like have these like nightmares at night, and I just wake up in the middle of the night, night terrors where I'd wake up in my body, but I have no hmm. autonomy of my body, so I'd be awake, but I couldn't like control my breathing or move my arms or like anything. A sleep paralysis kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had that. That's scary yeah would so, you feel like a, a presence in the room or anything like that sometimes uh, that's associated with people like thinking they're they, they see shapes or scary figures i've uh, like i've had that happen um uh, 
I've had that happen later in life, um, not associated with anything. I think that I didn't ha- I didn't have a radar for for mm. it. I think it was just very uh, still I, scary though. Just just yeah. terrifying. Yeah. By everything was just mere merely physical, merely um, biological. Um, but yeah, it was just really really hard time. And uh, after after my wife, guest girlfriend at the time, came back. Um, I I was going to go visit her at Xavier and then driving back to my apartment. And uh, one night I stayed there, you know, maybe later than I should have. And I'm driving home really late at night, like three o'clock in the morning. And uh, and I I start one of those those fits with God again, like uh, just thinking about all this stuff. And it was unbearable. I don't think. Uh, you know, but you it, didn't believe God existed at this time, right? Right. 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 <laughs> so you're still angry at him. This hypocrisy, right? <laughs> and uh, but I wanted to believe in God, I guess, or maybe I didn't. I don't know. But um, even if it was just maybe to put a name to your anger, to blame, yeah, something yeah. To blame. It just it just was so disordered, uh, or so, things seemed that way in my life, and uh, maybe it was because of me, but. Uh, I remember getting really angry and praying like, um, you know, if there if there is a God, you know, um, do something so amazing I can't deny it. And I was really thinking about those chili cheese conies when I was getting angry. Like, um, and so when I was driving, I thought, okay, if God's going to do something so amazing that I can't deny it, either fire is going to like rain out of the sky, lightning's going to strike in a crazy way. I don't know something supernatural like that or nothing at all is going to happen because there is no God. So those were my two options um, in my own mind and I guess the the options I gave to God. And uh, so fire didn't immediately rain out of the sky so I knew there was no God. Um, So I'm driving right after that and I'm like, see? Uh, And then I see an arm, like somebody like reaching out on the side of the road at three o'clock in the morning like flagging my car down. And I'm like, well, that's weird. And I remember, I knew I just said this thing. So I'm like, I'm gonna pull over, even though I'm in a, in a sketchy part of town, <laughs> three o'clock in the morning. And uh, you know, it's, just, it's not usually safe to pick people up on the side of the road anyway. I think this is the one time I've done that. And so I pull off and, um, and I'm amazed as I'm rolling down my window. I still had power windows at that time. That's a great <laughs> feeling. I didn't have to crank like I did now. And uh, I'm rolling down my window, and uh, it's the young lady with the one leg that I wanted to get the umbrella. And she reaches her head into my car and she says, "Hey, um, I don't don't think I'm crazy. I don't want money or anything. Can you just drive me up to Gold Star Chili and get me two chili cheese conies?" And I was like. Don't think I'm crazy, but get in my car right now. And specifically two. She said she wanted two. Two, two chili wow. cheese conies. And so she gets in my car, and I tell her pretty much everything I just told. Not not everything, but everything about my papa and what I had just said. And she she really starts to think I'm crazy. She starts scooting towards the door a little bit. But I take her through, um, you know, get her the two chili cheese conies. And uh, I did interact with her um, maybe once or twice after that. Uh, so keep keep that young lady in your prayers. And, uh, uh, and this is what over a year since you had first seen her and had the accident. Yeah, and I had seen her before that, maybe, and gotcha. after that one or two times. Um, so, but 
it was, it did stand out in my mind about the umbrella. And I told her about the umbrella, like <laughs> all of that stuff. So uh, she's like, wow, thanks, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so anyways, um, at that point, I, I kind of have like a conviction with this. And unlike the time when I was in the hospital um, and I saw the crucifix, uh, I started to take it very seriously. Um, and so I, I started to pursue God a little bit more. Um, whereas before there was, there was really no pursuit on my, on my behalf. Uh, but that was amazing enough to take it seriously. I thought so. <laughs> I thought so. Yeah. And uh, so I was, it could have either been a strange coincidence, a very strange coincidence, um, or something very providential and very real. And uh, as the more time progresses, the, the more convicted I am that obviously it was something providential and something very real. Um, so yeah, I start to take um, faith seriously and uh, I start to pursue um, different Christian denominations. I start taking my dad to church and going to church with him uh, at a mega church in Cincinnati. Uh, and I kept, I keep hitting these notes, but things don't quite line up to where I think they should be now that uh, I am pursuing God and I've got a taste of who God is and, and what his personality is. Do things like I get rebaptized, but you know, that doesn't really do anything for me and doesn't, doesn't seem like the next step in my spiritual journey. Um, but I do, do go to all different churches and pray, um, particularly when no one's there. So mm. I'll go into a church and I'll pray but not on Sunday during a service time where there's other people that I'd have to interact with, but, but more feeling it out on my own. You know, I'm curious, I actually meant to ask you this earlier when you were telling the story of going to your first mass on Ash Wednesday with Gabrielle. Um, having been, you said you were raised Southern Baptist, yeah. right? So did you have any thoughts previous about the Catholic Church? Because I know there can be a certain amount of anti-Catholic prejudice there. Was it just not on your radar at all? Or do you think they're like crazy, anything but that? Yeah, so uh, I would say since I was raised Southern Baptist, uh, I knew that that the God I was interacting with was definitely a Christian God. Mm. Um, but I knew absolutely Catholicism was wrong. Right. So yeah. uh, without, a, with a sh without a shadow of a doubt, um, you know, but I was I was a little bit more open to it because everything was fresh. Um, so at this time, since my papa passed away, I moved in and I live with my mamma in uh, Latonia, Kentucky. And I drive through Covington um, and cross the Brent Spence Bridge. No, the Roebling Suspension Bridge uh, or the Humming Bridge as we, we, I think people in Covington a lot more call it that. And so I crossed the Roebling Suspension Bridge to get to work every day. And uh, I, would, I would pass the cathedral. Uh, and even when I was secular, I was really into art. Mm -hmm. And inside the Cathedral Basilica in Covington, it's the largest painting that uh, my favorite artist, Frank Duvenek, ever painted, um, which is an amazing story in its own right, that he painted that and his life and his conversion, his reconversion at the end of his life. But I would go in there just to see this painting. Um, and I knew it to be a very Christian painting and it portrays the crucifixion. And then on the left-hand side, it has um, a benediction of the blessed sacrament showing kind of the future. And then on the right-hand side, tucked underneath the crucifix, uh, it has Melchizedek uh, mm -hmm. with his priestly duties and the bread and wine in a temple. 
and all of it's very high church. So the crucifixion, Melchizedek, and this benediction are all, and it's like an ancient Catholic benediction. It's not like uh, a very modern one. It looks like it's from like the 1200s or something. So for context for people listening, Melchizedek is the priest king that Abraham goes to and offers a sacrifice. And uh, I, I think Melchizedek offers a blessing of bread and wine. Is bread, that right? Bread and yeah. wine. Yeah. yeah. Which is, that's a very theologically this is rich. thousands of years, be, or at least a thousand years before Christ. Yeah. And that's in, that's in the canon in the mass in, in some of the Eucharistic prayers right. where Melchizedek and his offering and was it the offering of Abel yep. and the just and your servant Melchizedek. I yep. think that's mentioned. And I think there's a Psalm that says you're a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. Which and then Hebrews takes up to demonstrate that that is prophetic of Christ. Exactly. Who, interestingly enough, also offers bread and wine yeah. at the Last Supper. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds like a really theologically rich painting. Yeah, and then on the right side of the chapel, in the same chapel, uh, above an archway in kind of a niche, um, I'm using the wrong uh, architectural terms here, so. Uh, You'll just have to go to Covington Niche works for yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, I'll be corrected on it this. It is awesome, sure. I highly recommend a visit. So uh, it, it's a, an image of uh, Christ breaking the bread. Mm -hmm. um, on the road to Emmaus with nice. the with the two disciples there, and uh, so those are really the two paintings. I would go there just to check those out, and uh, when I would go there and pray, I would really feel Christ's presence mm. in that in that room. And I'm like, maybe it's the art, and I would always think something like, um, maybe it has to do with this weird Catholic furniture <laughs> that's like right before me. So there's like a little altar rail, an altar and a tabernacle. And that's that's their that's their uh, Blessed Sacrament Chapel, which I had no idea. AKA the Catholic Furniture Chapel. Yeah, right. the Catholic yeah. Furniture <laughs> Chapel. So, uh, it's this gold box. Yeah, exactly. Why does it feel so special? I'm like, it does, it does. Yeah. And uh, so, um, you know, my wife taught me how to genuflect, but mm. she, uh, this isn't a call out to her, but <laughs> she didn't know what we were genuflecting towards either. Okay. Uh, be, having been raised Catholic, um, nominally like, she's just like, no, you just do this when you sit down. <laughs> so like, so she's I was right. like, so I was like, no matter where I was, I would do that. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I was always safe, but people would give me odd looks. <laughs> but uh, I didn't know what I was doing, so. Uh, so yeah, there was that. I would genuflect when I came into the main sanctuary. Should have been doing it in that chapel. But anyways, um, so yeah, I, I could kind of uh, interact there. Um, and there were some other, there was a few other places where I could interact too. Uh, near my mom's house, the Franciscans, uh, I guess it would be a friary, right? Mm -hmm. A priory, where, where do friars live in a priory? I think the friary is where friars live. I think the priory is where priests live, but I'm not positive about that. Okay. I don't know. Sounds reasonable. There's, we'll priory, there's Dominicans in the priory, I know, and they're all priests. Some are priests. I know there are friends. Are there, do we have Dominican brothers? I think yes. so. Not all Dominicans are priests. Really? Yeah. Um, see, I'm learning things. On there the was a brother Ignatius here in you town for the Dominicans. on the driveway. And you drive <laughs> on the park. So you friar in the priory and you prior in the friary. Exactly. What if you have a friar in the bakery? <laughs> All right, let's move on. So, Clearly none of us know anything about it. <laughs> so there was a... Uh, Speaking of nuns. Yeah. Yeah, there, exactly. there was an exterior um, votive chapel um, up on a hill. 
and I could kind of interact there. So should should we shout out uh, spiritinspire at gmail.com right now so that people can write in and tell us? I, spirit, yeah, uh, spiritinspire at aol.com. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. We also have Spirit Inspired AOL. Yeah, if, uh, if you're a millennial and you'd like to write to us, it's Spirit Inspire <laughs> at, at AOL.com. Uh, please it's a live email address. Feel free, yes. Yeah, okay. It is a live email address. Help us solve the great mystery of, what is it, Friary, Priory? Rectory. Rectory. Refractory is the where they eat. I know that. I'll never <laughs> well, forget yes, that one. Yeah, well, yes. Refractory is not where they reflect. No, I don't know. Well, refracturing. <laughs> well, never. Whatever. <laughs> okay. But, but no, that is actually a serious question because not about refractories, but <laughs> on this point, abbeys. Uh-huh. I have all, I associated when I was younger with nuns, mm-hmm. but it's actually correct for monks as well. Mm-hmm. So is there a distinction between monastery and abbey? Because I used to think before I became Catholic or even after that, before I learned, that monastery was for monks and abbeys were for nuns. But apparently abbeys can be used for both, but I don't think monasteries can be used for both. Or can Clearly we're going to have to do an episode on this where we do research and we report back. I think monastery can be used for nuns, can't it? Well, I think uh, I think that aren't they switched? Whatever terminology we use here, they use the opposite in Europe. <laughs> oh gosh! Yeah, they drive on the wrong side of the road exactly. over there too. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right, we're leaving that aside, and we're coming back. You were at the Saint Anthony. Oh yeah, something. So there's a Saint Anthony shrine. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where the Franciscans live. Um, they have a small votive chapel outside uh, where you can interact and light candles and pray, uh, but you don't have to go in and really deal with anyone. This was something your wife introduced you to, or how did no, you find I out just, about? Just was checking it out. Okay, you were um, just looking for religious sites in the area. Yeah, or I was something. just like now I was kind of yeah. just pursuing things. Okay. So, um, so yeah, so I would drive by um, that basilica, and one day when I had a lot of anxiety, I didn't. I woke up with a, from a nightmare the night before, um, and w- and was dealing with all of this. I went into. The Basilica in Covington still, and I lit a candle in front of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, I didn't know what it was at the time. I'm like, this is a different Mary, <laughs> you know, that I'm not used to seeing this one. It was actually a, a statue too, so it wasn't the uh, image that was on the Telma. Okay. Um, and so I lit a candle in front of uh, this statue, and I said a prayer, um, something like, um, you know, if you can really, it probably wasn't as well put together as what I'm about to say, but if you can intercede for me, uh, you know, intercede on my behalf. And, uh, and I immediately felt some comfort mm. uh, from that. And uh, so I'm like, hmm, what's this Mary, what's this Mary stuff? Um, which I wasn't, that was the, the one thing about Catholicism that uh, I had no interest in even interacting with, mm. um, you know, was that rooted in the Southern Baptist background? The kind of idea yeah. that's sort of like idolatry or so goddess I, thing? I don't whatever. believe in God, but Marian stuff is idolatry to God. <laughs> like this was, this was my, my, uh, my psyche at this point in my life. So uh, definitely logically consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, I, I thought it, you know, about this, this Marian stuff. Um, I started to ask my wife about it. And, uh, Were you married at this point, or still just dating? Just still my yeah. my girlfriend. Ask my girlfriend about it, and um, you know she's like, yeah, you know, I don't really know too much about this Mary and stuff either. 
uh, I do, she's like, I do kind of think of Mary as like my mother and, uh, and this sort of thing. And she starts telling me about uh, the rosary. She's like, you know, there's this mm. thing, the rosary. And uh, I'm like, yeah, I've heard of that. Uh, old ladies do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've heard of this. So um, we go to a place that was in between my apartment in Silverton. I would drive down Montgomery Road to get to my girlfriend, aka my wife's house um, in Norwood. And there's this place called Our Lady of the Holy Spirit Center. It's definitely like dab smack in the middle between our uh, between where I lived and where she lived. So, um, and my work was right there too. So, I uh, I would go in and I, I started to explore this place. And uh, if you've never been there, it's a it's a crazy place. Um, <laughs> just uh, just filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, I don't even know the whole story on it, but uh, if you get a chance, check it out. So I go into the Our Lady of the Holy Spirit Center in, in Norwood, Ohio, and uh, it's a good place again for me to interact with things and but not people. And <laughs> um, there's just huge reliquary in there, uh, multiple chapels, um, outdoor prayer garden, uh, and and there's also teaching things there. So uh, you know the theological virtues might be on the paver stones mm-hmm. and yeah. um, the prayer garden might be the rosary or uh, it might have something to do with the divine mercy in one of the chapels. So, uh, or it has the stations of the cross. So you could l- literally walk in there and not be Catholic and start learning about this sort of thing. Wow. So um, I go there and I tell my wife about it and I'm like, we gotta check this place out. We were, we were into exploring cool places anyway. So, mm. you know, even if you aren't Christian or Catholic, like this is quirky enough to go, let's go check it out. So uh, I convince my wife and uh, there's two rosaries. You can take rosaries. So she takes a rosary for her, takes a rosary for me. And uh, she teaches me how to pray it, which uh, it was a battle getting through that first rosary because we, neither of us knew <laughs> what we were doing at all. Uh, even with the pamphlet, we were very confused. <laughs> so um, we pray the rosary out there, and um, uh, I think I don't even remember what my intention was when we prayed it. But uh, but my wife's intention was that uh, she was working on getting her Portuguese citizenship, mm. and there were some problems with that. And she prayed like you know uh, that I, that my Portuguese citizenship comes back okay. And so uh, the next day her Portuguese citizenship comes in. And we've been waiting on that for a long time, or she had. And I would, like, she was less impressed by it than I was. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> like, I was in shock that, that we prayed about it. And uh, and then that ended up okay. I think, uh, so I was like, now I'm real into this Marian stuff. I'm like, this is crazy. So um, I go back and I, uh, somehow come across the brown scapular. So I'm like, I got the rosary thing. I got a quick, uh, just one sentence thought on on that. Um, There's a course called Alpha, which is like introduction to the gospel uh, for people who are, you you know, either away from the church or don't know anything about Christianity. But it's a Protestant guy who runs it. But he says, uh, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. (laughs) It's a good line. It's a great line. So, um, no, you're great. And uh, that's a great line. So I get the brown scapular 
Um, but that that present and it says that it can have benefits to even non-Catholics or mm-hmm. Protestant Christians. Um, but it also has a requirement that it has to be blessed specifically, or you have to be enrolled by a priest. Mm-hmm. And so that would require me to interact with someone. So I kind of pocket this thing and I don't want to really think about it anymore um, because I don't want to interact with anyone <laughs> at this point. So uh, I see that like, uh, yeah, so we want to go back to the Holy Spirit Center and they're like, pray, they're doing something. Um, they're praying the rosary or something there. And uh, I don't want to have to interact with people, but I was big on the Holy Spirit Center and praying there. So for whatever reason, it closed. They had an event there. I tell my wife, like, hey, we can't go there to pray the rosary, but I want to do this again. I know this place where the Franciscans have this shrine of St. Anthony uh, at a different part of Cincinnati. We can go there. So um, again, they have these outdoor statuary and stuff, and we don't have to interact with people. So we drive there that night. and as we go up the hill into Mount Airy, I think it's in Mount Airy, off of Coleraine, and uh, there's a line of traffic, and there's never traffic in this area. We're like, where are all these people going? <laughs> and they're pulling into that shri- that St. Anthony Shrine, and the and uh, and we start pulling in too. And I'm like, ooh, we should turn around and not go in. And my wife now. Uh, I was really enthused, like, no, we need to go in. What is everybody doing? <laughs> she gets really bad FOMO. So she's like, everybody's going in here. We need to go in here. So we get, like, parked way out in the grass. Um, and we walk in with everybody. And like I said, I don't want to interact with people, but it's just a ton of people from all different walks of life. Um, you can see, like, people of every single race are there. Um there's a lot of people with severe, severe handicaps and disabilities um, going in. People with, uh, and never seen this in real life, but you know, giant like tumors, it looks like on their mm-hmm. face and uh, all these sorts of things. So uh, I never really even seen like people with such severe conditions, you know, outside of TV or receiving some sort of care um, out in public. So see all these people and it touches me deeply then to see oh my gosh you know this is a very universal thing Mm. um, that I'm experiencing like it's not just a Cincinnati thing or something like that and so we go into the chapel and it's the feast day of St. Anthony and that's why everyone's there at St. Anthony's at the shrine and I'm sure people came from all over and so they don't even have room for everyone. So they seat us back in like those weird chairs that are for the monks, for like the choral chairs. Uh-huh. So we're like back there with a few, with a bunch of other lady with the monks. And, um, and uh, you know, the homily that the, that the friar gives, uh, I still remember it is about St. Anthony, but uh, I'm sure it's a little cliche now, but having, uh, having never heard uh, Catholic homilies before, you know, it was really impressive to that weren't about uh, Xavier beating UC. Um, <laughs> it was really impressive to me uh, about St. Anthony and how he will, he's a patron saint of lost things, but how he finds people and he brings them back to Christ. Mm. And, um, and so, and he's, he's more, he's more about finding souls mm. um, rather than lost objects and things. He, he's, He's really enthusiastic about finding people. And so um, I don't know much about any of the saints, like even St. Joseph, I'm like, is that the same 
Joseph is in the Bible, like <laughs> there's a disconnect there.、Mm-hmm. So、um, at the end of Mass, there's a blessing with a relic of Saint Anthony, and、uh, so I get in line and we go up, and all the people like you would think you're in Europe because no one knew how to queue up, like everyone is just <laughs> kind of shoving in there, and all the faithful queue up and they're blessed with this relic, including all those people who were sick、mm-hmm. and suffering and had severe handicaps. And、uh, and when I when I received the blessing with the relic,、um, you know, I I definitely had like a religious experience in that moment, like something very profound happened, and、uh, and I'm like, all right, I kind of believe in this now too. Like, what is this about? <laughs> and Saint Anthony. So、um, so yeah, that was、uh, that was a profound turning point, and、uh, at this point in my life, I'm also transitioning. Job. So I am trying to get a job in、um, Louisville, Kentucky, where my wife's from. Transition to that from working in Cincinnati at that at the business that I worked at at the time,、um, and they hadn't even really、uh, they had just started to talk and say they're going to start a Louisville location. So I said, well, I've got to get in on this, but、uh, I didn't know how to connect and do that, and so.、Um, I think that's why we were going to go pray the rosary that night was、mm. to for that intention specifically, and that's why we really wanted to pray the rosary because you know that works. Yeah. <laughs> so、um, when you pray, coincidences happen. Yeah. So and when you don't, they don't. So, <laughs>、um, so yeah, we prayed there for that intention at the Saint Anthony Shrine, and、uh, it wasn't long after that, that the founder of that company came down to buy the location from Louisville, and he just happened to fly into Cincinnati. And he did a tour of the store, and while he was in the store, he was just in street clothes, and no one recognized him. But I recognized him, <laughs> and while I was talking to him, we had really connected and had a great conversation. Some other corporate guys were in there too, checking things out, and、uh, they had just happened to talk to a contractor who had been friends with my dad in high school, so he knew who I was, like、mm-hmm. the one guy who would really <laughs> know who I was. And they're like, "Why do you shop at our store, or whatever?" And they're like. Oh, because of Eric Huff. <laughs> Even though I never did anything to help him, so like、uh, it went really well for me. And、uh, and I told him I was like, you know, I don't remember if he said, "Is there anything I can do with you?" Or I just put weaseled my way in there. But I told him I was like, I'd really love to work at that Louisville store、mm. uh, once you get it together. So、uh, it's definitely given the opportunity then, and and then that progressed. So my name from that point on was on the docket, and.、Uh, You know, there's no stopping me from going, so that worked out really well for me, and、uh, I still had that brown scapular that I told you about earlier. And、uh, at this point, I'm like so bought in that I'm like, I might be sneaking to masses at this point. I don't remember. <laughs>、uh, But I'm like, oh, I need to go take care of this. You're still、stuff. avoiding people as much as you can, but maybe you're slipping in the back of church. And- sure. So <laughs> I、uh, I have the scapular thing. So one day I had I, I I take it with me to work, and I have a 45 minute lunch break, and I go, oh, I'll just go to a church, and get this done on my lunch break. Convenient for me, right? So at that point, I didn't know anything about the church and how it worked. I mean, how often can you just walk into a church on your lunch break and、mm-hmm. you're going to run into a priest? A, are you going to get into the church on your lunch break at,、uh, you know, one o'clock, one thirty? B, are you, his father going to be walk, walk, meandering around the sanctuary every second of that? It's very rare.、Um, so, 
I didn't know that though. I was pretty uneducated. So I went to St. Cecilia, it's in Oakley, it's near where I work. And uh, I park in their lot and I go in to the side door and I go in there and pray. And as I'm praying, I feel like I'm being told like, just wait, just wait. And my lunch break burns by and I'm like, I'm hungry, I wanna go get food. And I feel like, just wait. And I'm like, okay, now I should have been back for 15 minutes. <laughs> like, I'm going over, I'm gonna get fired. I feel like, just wait. And then finally, I feel like, all right, get up and leave. And so I get up and leave. And when I walk out of the door of the sanctuary, there's a priest and he's walking from his car to what I assume is the rectory or parish office there. And it's a very short distance between those <laughs> two. If I walked out at any other point, I wouldn't have catched it, caught him. So he also has a dog with him. Uh, which is memorable and cool. So he's like, Fido, sit. And like the dog sits. And before he goes in, I go, uh, father? Like, I don't know what to call him. He looks younger than me too. So I'm like, father? And this could just be my imagination, but it could have been true. I'm pretty sure he, he snapped back with a, yes, my child, which I've never had happen again. So, um, so he comes up to me and, uh, you know, I very frazzled i i started to pull the scapular out and stuff's falling out of my pockets and i'm like i have this thing and there's this rosary thing but i don't know how i feel about mary and everything he says is just like ah yes our blessed mother she always points us to christ and like uh, <laughs> he just has these great lines everything i have to say he he's got a great response to and uh and i say you know can you do this thing and he's like uh yeah brown scapular lady of mount carmel I'll be right back. Fido, sit. And the dog sits and he goes in and I'm just standing out here with his dog <laughs> waiting for him. And he comes back out with the big book um, of blessings or something, I'm sure. And, uh, and uh, he's got holy water. This is the first time I've really seen holy water. And it's in a container that says holy water on it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's where it comes from. <laughs> so anyways, um, he started, I've got the scapular in my hands and he's going through this whole ceremony and he's, he's really blessing the hell out of this uh, <laughs> scapular. And uh, in the name of the Father and of the Son and uh, a I remember a lady in a wheelchair, um, parishioner comes up behind him and as he's very serious about this, this kind of liturgy or whatever that he's doing with me, uh, he's still so personable that as the lady with the wheelchair comes up, he's in the name of the Father and the Son. Hello, Janice and the Holy Spirit. And so, um, you know, the whole thing's really overwhelming and it's leaving this great impression on me. And, and after he's done, he's kind of talking to me and um, telling me he's going to pray for me and that I should pray for him. Uh, this gentleman walks up and, uh, and the gentleman says, uh, he says to him, uh, do you work here? And uh, the priest like looks down at his Roman collar and looks up at this like beautiful church and he's like, yes, I work here. <laughs> and uh, the guy's like, you know, you're uh, your boss, right? And uh, you know, everybody's about to look up at heaven, you know? <laughs> and uh, he goes, no, 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 you know, the guy with the glasses. And then uh, the priest is like, oh yes, uh, Father Jamie. And he's <laughs> like, yeah, him. He says, I can sit here and read my book in your courtyard. And uh, the priest goes, yes, anyone's welcome to sit in our courtyard. <laughs> and he goes, uh, and reflect and maybe even pray. And the guy's like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he says, I can sit there. He goes, 
but this lady, you know, this mean lady, do you know her? He's like, there's lots of women who are at this parish. They're welcome here too. He goes, no, no, no. She's real mean. She says, I can't sit here and read my book because I'm not Catholic. And the guy's like, no, anyone can read their book here. And he goes, no, 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 she's real mean. He goes, I understand. He goes, she's here every day. He goes, I understand. He goes, she helps with the so-and-so. And then the priest recognizes who it is. He's like, oh, Maurice or something. And he's like, yeah, her. She's so mean. He's like, well, you know, we need to be forgiving of others even when they're wrong. He's like, she's so mean. And he goes, I understand. He goes, she's here every day. And the priest goes, I understand. He goes, she's so mean. And the priest goes, I understand. And he goes, she's here every day. Can you imagine if she was what kind of monster she would be if she wasn't here every day? And we all just like buzzed out. Like, yeah, like he let us on that for so long. And so I leave there like, what just happened? But I knew like this was the type of life that I wanted to. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I was really sad um, to be leaving Cincinnati now because I had met this priest and I was going to ask him about RCIA mm -hmm. and, uh, and moving forward. And uh, I had a friend of mine ask me, um, you know, are you excited about moving to Louisville from Cincinnati? I said, I kind of am. I am for some reasons, but it's also really, and my friend, you know, uh, it was one of my party buddies and work buddies that worked way too much with me. And so he was in a very similar place to where I was before. Um, so, you know, I didn't really want to share with him anything about my faith journey or anything like that. But he said, are you excited? I said, I am, but I was thinking about becoming Catholic. And I met this priest here, and now that I'm going to Louisville, I don't know anyone. And he said, uh, well, that's okay. My cousin is a Catholic priest in Louisville, Kentucky. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So Who was his cousin? Father Jeff Schooner. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, there's plenty more to the story, but I think that's a perfect time to end part one. We'll have to do a part yeah. two. Of the Absolutely. Eric Huff testimony episode. Um, but obviously... Eventually, you became Catholic. We'll hear more about right. how. Uh, but you you came into the church. I know that you have a patron saint. Your confirmation saint is who? Saint Anthony. That's right. Cool. And uh, and you ended up working under Father Jeff Schooner at Saint Patrick's. Yes. And um, so obviously, there's a lot of beautiful uh, moments after after moving to Louisville too, which we'll definitely get into as the as the podcast progresses. But in the meantime, thank you so much, Eric, for sharing your story with us. Um, thank you to all of you for uh, watching the episode. And uh, if you want more Spirit Inspire, you can visit spiritinspire.com. If you want to interact with us, you can email us at spiritinspire at aol.com. And uh, you can tune in next week for another episode of Spirit Inspire. Thanks for joining us. God bless. Thank mm -hmm. you.